Welcome everybody out to Utah in the Weeds. This is episode 83 of Utah in the Weeds. My name is Tim Pickett. I am your host. And here we talk about cannabis and cannabis culture here in Utah, where it's legal medically for 15 medical conditions. Um, I'm a clinician. I see patients as a QMP here in Utah and have been really excited to do this podcast, share a bunch of information with you and talk to a lot of people. This episode is a best of special with 10 highlights from some of uh, our most interesting guests of the year. Hear from a variety of patients, industry professionals, legislators, others with a hand in the cannabis jar. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, this is a great episode to get used to, you know, what we do, who we talk about. From a housekeeping perspective, remember that as of this year, January 3rd, 2022, uh, coming up, 90-day cards in Utah are no longer uh, part of the program. The first card will be issued for six months. Uh, The second thing to note is our Uplift program. Um, Just a shout out to every partner involved, Deseret Wellness, Wholesome Co., Beehive Pharmacy, and Zion Medicinal. Uh, Just a great partnership there with Uplift. We will be adding at least two more uh, partners, and I'll announce those in January, where we're going to be able to see at least 15 to 20 patients our first month in January. Those are low-income and terminally ill patients. So uh, looking forward to a great 2022 um, with more access for more people as the legislative session uh, gets underway. And we'll be keeping you updated on uh, activities and, and things that are going up, uh, going on on the hill. So let's get into these clips, uh, and and this this 2021 best of. Um, the first one is from episode 40. Valerie Blaylock. Valerie uses medical cannabis for MS, other health condition, uh, and we engage in a discussion with uh, with her about drier vaporizers. And this is just a a short piece of a long and interesting discussion about dryer vapes. Uh, Go back and listen to episode 40 if you want to hear it. What's your favorite dryer vaporizer? Mm. What are you currently using? All of them. Yes. (laughs) Do you have have a lot of them? I do, actually. That's awesome. I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have, um, I actually have two fireflies, which... Uh, you just you just started using a little bit too, Tim, didn't you? Yeah, the firefly. It, the firefly is super cool. Yeah, and you are the one who told me that the one of the reasons the packs isn't. I don't know. There's a silicone thing in the packs, uh-huh. and so the silicone absorbs the the flavor. Yep. And then the next the next round or the next bowl of flour tastes like the old one. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Because of the silicone, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. And no, you know, I didn't know people, that before. It doesn't bother. I mean, I know people in people in our clinic even who absolutely love the packs. And uh, to be honest, the packs is really, really good for people who want just something fairly simple, fairly easy, and it's really pretty easy to clean. There aren't a whole lot of parts. It's just pretty simple. So, I mean, I think. I, honestly, all vaporizers have a place, even the crappy, you know, $30, $40 dryer vaporizers that are going to give you like maybe two or three bowls and then maybe go out. <laughs> you know? um, <laughs> <Is that? laughs> I actually, yeah, and you know, and I actually encourage people, especially people who have smoked for a really long time. And like even some of our older folks, like our older hippie, hippie kind of people like that (laughs) generation, um, which is not far from me. I'm 52, so I'm not calling anybody out on their age, just saying. Um, (laughs) I think that once you get a vaporizer in somebody's hand and they can actually experience it and realize that, man, what I like, I've been smoking and it's really harsh. And it's like, you know, it's like when I quit 
smoking, smoking and went to vaping. And then I would be around smokers and I'd be like, oh my God, like I smelled like that all the time. So I think it really is about getting a vaporizer in somebody's hand and letting them experience that. I really like this discussion with Valerie as we talk about really just trying to get a vaporizer in patients' hands because there's a lot of people who still want to consume cannabis with uh, with a lighter in a joint. And, you know, personally, I would say more, I think that's your decision. I don't know that we should outlaw that. Uh, however, from a medical perspective, vaporizers are a healthier, uh, so far, the evidence is really that these are much healthier way to consume cannabis uh, when you want to use raw flour. And additionally, once you try it and get used to, for example, the Da Vinci vaporizers, um, they really are they really are easy to use and they don't smell near as much uh, like Valerie was saying. Okay, let's get into Randall Nielsen. Now, Now, Randall Nielsen's episode 48, he is a PTSD patient, and I love his photography, by the way, but, but he really takes his medicine seriously and follows the state's rules for uh, medical cannabis patients. Let's take a listen to uh, what he has to say about it. I mean, no offense, <laughs> it's like, this is Utah, and people don't know how to use cannabis, and or, or how to, uh, to even approach it, how to even approach it. Yeah. And that's why for me, like I'm not judging anybody for smoking or doing anything that's not spot on with the law. For me, I try to follow the law as well as I can, you know, like to the letter so that I'm promoting it as a medicine and not as somebody just getting high, you know, because that's the big the big argument from everybody against it was it's just going to turn into recreational, you know? And in my eyes, if you're posting on Instagram, you doing bong loads with the lighter, you know, that's smoking it. And, and, and you signed a document that said you weren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think being on point with it and, and following those rules and treating it like a medicine, that that's what kind of brought my mom around and, and made her more understanding about it was saying, okay, mom, here's the law. This is what I can do. This is what is allowed, you know, and, and, you know, the fact that I wasn't smoking it around her and stuff like that, I think it, it really had an impact and, and helped her understand a little bit better that people in Utah are trying to treat this as medicine, not just as a subversive way to get recreational weed. Again, can I, can we call the department of and, and have you be their spokesperson? I if just want to pay me. Let's go for it. A subversive way to get recreational weed. Very well spoken there. Um, and that's really not what the medical program is designed to do in Utah. And it is not what the medical program is doing in Utah either. I'm here to tell you that patients are using less prescription medication. They're using less alcohol 79% of the patients that we see and survey as they come back to renew are using less other medication. And he's absolutely right. I think taking bong rips on Instagram, you know, it. I guess it depends on who you are and, and what you want to represent, right? Um, that's why you don't see it necessarily on our Instagram, things like that, that consumption, because we really want to treat this as a medical product and just another tool in the toolbox from a medical standpoint, right? Okay, now Beverly. Beverly is one of my favorite people in the industry and I love I love her energy and she's always at all the events and so friendly and her products are phenomenal. Uh, Beverly Aston is the owner of Heal You, that's J-I-L-U, and she talks about destigmatizing cannabis in episode 56 and helping educate others about cannabis as a medicine. And her story is interesting because she comes from a place where she didn't know a lot about cannabis before. She comes from the business side of things. So let's listen to her. And I feel like, Tim, like you, that people are looking for alternative medicine. 
They're looking for something different than a crappy opioid that makes them feel sick, that makes them feel constipated, that has all these side effects, the yucky feeling and side effects you get from Ambien and just all of these pharmaceutical drugs that have just been shoved down our throat. People are sick of that. They don't want it. It's twofold to, in my opinion, it's it's the, you know, you say shove down people's throats, which essentially is true, right? We sit there, we listen to patients, you know, talk and complain about their, uh, their ailment. And then we write up write a prescription here, take this twice a day or take this at night or whatever. And people don't really have a lot of choice. They don't. At least they didn't, they don't feel like they do. And cannabis does those two things. It gives them the choice to experiment with their own health and to make choices on their own about their medicine and access to things that in the long run could be less harmful, right? In a lot of ways. And so- um, it's a fun industry to be a part of, and it's fun to see the growth of the of the marketplace, right? Yeah. Of the patient like growth. It's fun to hear people's stories. Oh, absolutely, yeah, right. And, and what's exciting to me is to is educating the state of Utah. And I feel like as a woman, if we educate the women of Utah, we educate Utah. Women usually are the ones going to the doctor, uh, you know, calling their for their husbands for the prescriptions, calling for their kids. And I feel like losing that stigma of just THC or cannabis for getting high. I want that to be gone. Yes, there are people who need it that are suffering miserably with anxiety and depression that 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 stony effect they need that to relax and to unwind as well. But it's not just for everyone. Everyone doesn't like that stony, that stony feeling. And so if we can offer both, that's great. But I think if we can lose that stigma of cannabis just being around for people to get high, that's not the only purpose for cannabis. And so I feel like uh, women's job in Utah will really be to Let's let's take a let's back up three steps here and look about, you know, the history of cannabis. It's our oldest medicine on the planet. And it was demonized, you know, uh, mid-century, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And uh, now we have to retrain people on a different way to approach cannabis as a healing drug um, instead of just a get stoned you know, it's you know, something to buy in the back alley with, that's right you know, right a, a yeah. sack of- yeah and i think we have a i think we're doing good though i think i think utah i see a lot of people putting their feet forward to try to you know debunk all of that garbage and say no this is something that saves people's lives uh whatever you're using it for if we educate the women of utah we educate utah and, and uh Yes, Beverly, you're you're absolutely spot on there. Um, and I love her energy about and the passion about getting people off of other nasty prescription medications. I've been doing a lot of research on that because uh, we're expanding our services at Utah Therapeutic. And part of it is 69% of Americans, adult Americans, are on at least one prescription. Damn near 70%. Of people, I mean, we we have got to do something about this. Holy cow, we take a lot of medicine. Um, okay, so you know what is next is episode right after Beverly, episode fifty-seven. Maddie Morrison came on uh, and talked about PTSD as well as some some uh, low back pain, and she offers her advice to newcomers to medical cannabis. Let's take a listen to this because this is exactly what we're talking about, what we were talking about in episode 56 with Beverly. When you started to use this more mm-hmm. like more medically, mm-hmm. did you have a plan? Did you kind of figure out the dosing first? Um, yeah, or was I think it kind so. of like I kind of just wanted to journey? try a bunch of things, figure out the dosing right away, write it all down and figure out what works for me. So that way I have a solid set routine you know, next year or something. So I want to have this first year. I want to keep experimenting with it because 
I mean, my body can change. Like, sure. You know, the same things that helped me now could not help me in a year from now. So I think the biggest part of it is just keeping an open mind, trying anything that I can and just making sure that I keep track of it and keeping an open mind. And then, you know, if I do get anxious and I'm like, OK, that's not for me, that's fine. I'll move on or I'll decrease the dosage or whatever the case or if I'm like, OK, so that tincture helped me feel good for about an hour. But then after that, it made me feel really anxious. So then I know, OK, maybe I'll decrease it by five milligrams or something. So it just I'm very hyper Probably because I'm a very anxious person, I'm very hyper aware of my body, of things around me, of what I'm hearing, of what I'm tasting. Like I'm very hyper aware of everything. So whether I'm using cannabis or not, I'm always hyper aware of how my body is feeling. So I think that definitely helps with my journey because I feel like I'm way more in tune than I used to be or than some people that I know who use cannabis. Mm -hmm. What would you tell somebody listening that just started using and they don't know where to, you know, what to, where to go, what to look at. They're just, they just got their medical card. Mm-hmm. They're maybe, they maybe been to a pharmacy once or twice, but they're still really, really new. I would say don't start with edibles. Okay. Because they, I mean, even five milligrams, if you're starting, start with like five or less or like okay. two and a half or something. Just start out with like a good one-to-one of CBD, THC, start low, go slow. That's the best thing with cannabis. Um, but for me, I'm glad I didn't start with edibles. I didn't have an edible until I was 20. So I just smoked flour up until that point. And I feel like that was a good, like by the time I had tried edibles, I had a pretty good tolerance with flour that I, that going into edibles was a really easy transition for me. Yeah. You had a good idea on how it worked, how, how it, it might feel and, and so on. And exactly. So, so I had quite a few more years to my cannabis history at that point, by the time I tried edibles. So feel like don't start with edibles maybe start with like a one-to-one tincture or one to ten tincture more cbd even and just start with that start with a low amount of thc and just increase from there good advice it is great advice yeah and you know even if you want to just if you want to get high you want to feel that edible high i would say don't go there because that's not a good mindset to don't don't consume cannabis with the sole purpose to get high because once you're there there you could be anxious you'll be like oh my gosh this is too much i'm you know you'll be very hyper aware of how Especially, high you really are yes you're hyper aware again you're overemphasizing yeah. the present and yeah. that it just makes you really aware of how things are going and edibles yeah. you're in for a long ride oh my gosh right? they last so long it yeah. lasts a long time whereas <laughs> yeah if somebody was I guess headed for that. Maybe a vape cartridge would be a little bit better choice because totally. vapes are great for like microdosing over, and yeah. And if you get a little too much, it's only going to be an hour or two. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I like vapes for that aspect because it's quick onset. It's discreet. It's um, microdosing throughout the day. You could take one drag off of it, and you're like, okay, all right, I'm good to go again. It's kind of just like a little sip of coffee or something. I don't know. Just a little get up and go. Yeah, exactly. I like that we've been comparing cannabis to coffee today. Yeah. A little, little stimulant. <laughs> that's that's yeah. all me. I love coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's two, kind of two of my favorite things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. They go together. Coffee cannabis and cannabis. Coffee and cannabis. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad we got you on the podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you uh, reached out to come on. And, yeah. Uh, was, there, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Was there anything else you uh, wanted to make sure to discuss or, 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 or say on the microphones before we yeah, wrap this up? Totally. Yeah. So I think my biggest advice, and I don't want to like put a heavy weight to advice, just I recommend like going slow, um, experiment, but don't push yourself too hard. Don't be co- too competitive t- with yourself to the point where you're like, oh, five milligrams, that's not enough. And like, just lower your ego a little bit and have a lower dosage and you'll be okay. Like uh, be a cheap date. You yeah, know? It's, it's, it's yeah. not a bad thing to have a low tolerance. Yeah, don't be competitive with yourself. Yeah. Don't get that ego. Don't try to compete it's with yourself. Good things to tell. Yeah. It's good things to tell people. Yeah. Especially here. There's a lot of people who are trying this for the first time. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really, it's opening up like we talked about, yeah. like the, not everybody loves it. Right. But there are certainly more people who want to try it. Yeah. Than ever. Absolutely. And also just have conversations with people. Don't, you know, it's it's a heavy topic. I totally get that. But just I think it's good to have these conversations with people and just be like, hey, 
what is your stance on cannabis? Or I don't know, just start a conversation with somebody and pick their brain. Maddie is so knowledgeable about her cannabis use and so uh, so aware, self-aware of what's happening with her. And it really only comes from a real dedication to uh, consuming cannabis with, with intention. And that's what I really liked about uh, Maddie's episode and talking to Maddie. And listening back over to that episode makes me really think, oh, yeah, you know what? It, it really does get to be that way where you're using it. Don't use it just to get high. Just use it to, uh, you know, with intention. Right after that, there was another great episode with uh, Toby Larson. And this is episode 59. So Toby Larson is a performance psychology expert who also works as an MMA coach uh, and an adult athletic coach. And he talks about how athletes are using cannabis as a performance-enhancing drug. And this is right around, remember the whole uh, Olympic trials and all of that sort of thing? I remember talking all about that as as cannabis. Is cannabis a performance-enhancing drug? Uh, let's listen to some of that with Toby. This is something I'm really into. And um, I haven't talked a lot about it on the podcast, but I'm, I'm into physical training and performance, especially adult athlete-type stuff. I think it's super healthy for people, very, very motivating. Lots of things happen in the brain and the metabolism to make people better when they're exercising. And one of the things that is for sure anti-aging, right? We want our lives to be a square. We want to go right up till the end and then just die. But in order to do that, you have to be mobile, right? You, you have to stay mobile. How does cannabis fit into that piece then? Multiple ways and in fascinating ways I've found. So... Obviously, just the basic effect of pain relief at night is massive. Being able to get to sleep and stay asleep is huge for anybody doing anything performance related. That I think is kind of generally accepted and thought of as a common, a common effect that we're going to see. But then if we start thinking about some of the psychotropic effects, so marijuana decreases anxiety. Yes. That's re- that's super excellent from a performance standpoint, not only from a, I'm actually competing today, uh, maybe in a golf tournament, and I don't want to shank my putt, probably will help you there. Most of the PGA Tour players are on beta blockers. That's why they putt better than you or I do. They never feel their palms sweaty during a tournament. Beta blockers help you do that. Cannabis has a similar effect, maybe not as strong as beta blockers, and maybe better in a long-term situation than beta blockers. Nice. Especially for a performance purpose. <laughs> Interesting. But, I didn't know that about golfers, but it makes sense that you would want to manipulate. I mean, this is how you make your living. So you're going to do everything you can to manipulate your physiology to maximize your performance. I know looking at, okay, so switch gears to like long distance athletics, right? So I ran for a while and I'll be honest with you. I mean, cannabis, medical marijuana, whatever you want to call it. It is a super drug when it comes to long distance running really? or long distance biking. Well, you think about it. In fact, I've, I've, I've heard and never read that they're trying to eliminate it from these hundred mile races because you can focus. Your perception of time is diminished, right? So over, so here I got to go run five hours and it doesn't bother me because I don't know what time it is. And I get dry mouth. So I stay hydrated and hungry the whole time. And these are things that you need is like the golden egg for so, for long distance performance enhancing. Wouldn't it wear off though, like after the first hour though? Well, just take a little more. Yeah, that's true. Just take I, it, bring it along with you. I'd say the other thing, once you get your brain really going in that, marching in that direction, it's easier to keep it going that way. The effects can wear off and I can be in the middle of a long distance mountain bike ride going up just continuously pounding up hills, but I've already taught myself to have my brain in that mindset for the first hour, whatever it is, it's easier to stay there. It's getting to there that's very difficult for a lot of people. If we think about obesity and sedentary lifestyle epidemics going on in the US right now, 
the hardest aspect in exercise psychology is getting somebody to actually take that first step out the door, not getting them to run once they're out the door. It's just getting the shoes on and exiting the house. That's the biggest barrier to exercise for most people. Yeah, the barrier to exercise is, uh, you know, just getting out the door. And that episode, I was so jazzed up uh, to talk about uh, performance enhancement with, uh, with cannabis and the athletic discussion. And man, I need that episode right now, right? Because here it is the new year. I haven't been exercising like I wanted. It's such an important part of my life and yada, yada, yada. I'm sure that some of you can relate as we go into 2022. And we, we get going with these New Year's resolutions, right? These New Year's systems. So get up, get out there, get active. Okay, so we, we move it on to episode 68. And Adam Toller, he's a great friend of mine and a really great QMP here in Utah, an advocate for the program, an advocate for patients, and works with us at Utah Therapeutic. He talks about his decision to start using cannabis for his own pain management and his first experience with the drug and how his use of cannabis has made him a better clinician, especially with uh, with regard to the medical cannabis program and helping patients. Let's get, let's get a, give a listen to uh, Adam. When patients would ask me, well, have you taken it before? I'd tell them no. But, you know, I've written plenty of prescriptions for GI medications. I know exactly what they do and I don't take them. Yeah. And so that was that was my my kind of insight to it was, you know, I know enough about it. And so I don't need to take it just to have that experience. That was kind of my approach to it. But. I'm so glad that I did actually got on cannabis, not only because it helped my pain, but because I can understand a lot more where the patients are coming from, especially when you're trying to avoid those negative highs where you start to have the world cave in on you and you get a bad panic attack. Yeah. So you feel like, because I've, I've kind of always, I've always preached this and it's hard to say out loud in the medical community a lot, but there's something about uh, somebody who understands the use and what's happening in the brain from an experience standpoint yeah. to explaining it. Now, now you're like, oh, yes, I can totally explain this in a way that, that I understand a little bit better. You feel yeah. like that's the case? Absolutely. I feel like not only can you explain it better, but you can empathize with people a lot more and understand mm. where they're coming from. And I think that's one of the most basic human connections that you can have with somebody is just that empathy. And so I feel like I can connect better with patients now, now that I've actually uh, gotten on cannabis. Did you mention, how did you like, did you vape it or edible or what was the first, let's talk about that first time. First time, first time was a vape. I remember doing the vape and going, oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> that was my first uh, initial reaction. I uh, I remember going downstairs, sitting on the couch, and suddenly it just hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> just came in super strong, super fast. And I remember turning towards my wife, and my eyes were wide, and my mouth was a bit open. And I'm like, is it supposed to feel tingly? And then all of a sudden, I just started, my body got heavy, and I started melting into the couch, and I was just laughing just started laughing uncontrollably. I, I don't know how much I took. I don't think that I even took that much. But man, it it uh, it definitely knocked me down pretty good when I very first took it. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. I luckily I, I avoided like any panic attack or anything like that. I didn't get get to that point. But oh man, I just laughed and giggled the whole the whole hour that I, <laughs> I felt it. Yeah. Um, and then it started slowing down, you know, and got out of it. But when I came out of it, I was like, what just happened? Uh, oh my gosh. It felt like a dream. And I'd never had that sensation before, you know, uh, being conscious and, and having everything feel like a dream or the time warp feeling like I'm just going to be in this present moment forever. 
I remember going to the bathroom and sitting there on the toilet thinking, am I ever going to get out of here? Am I ever going to get off the pod? (laughs) (laughs) Just going, oh my gosh. It it just, it was crazy. But, you know, uh, again, good experience to be able to empathize with patients, you know, um, and I can see why they want to avoid that. It's important to share the story so listeners, you know, that that haven't tried it yet, or they're, they're like, oh, what's that first experience going to be like? Is it going to, you know, but you're a perfect example, Adam, on, I mean, even, even when you don't know what to expect, you're still smiling and, you know, you're just chilling and relaxed and happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's not like it's painful or. No, it wasn't painful at all. Not at all. No. And you've got, but you've also got somebody around you who, who cares about you, who kind of, you're, you're being honest and open about it with. Right. And I, I feel like that is probably some, if not most of the, the paranoia and the anxiety, you know, coming from, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Where, where at least you didn't have that and that that kind of allows you to flow through the the experience a little better. Yeah, I definitely appreciated my wife being there for me. Uh, you know, I I kept I remember apologizing a million times, you know, <laughs> to her, but she just kept saying it's okay, it's okay, reassuring me. But yeah, that that uh, that kind of support and coming from someone who loves me and who uh supports me in everything. You know, that that was a really big help. And, you know, I would say that if you're trying it for the first time, have someone there, someone that you trust and and who can who can talk you through and help you if and just in case. I personally think that uh, that lack of connection is one of the big causes in the decline of primary health care in the United States. And you know, as we've gone towards uh, a more prescription-based medical society um, over the over the decades, and big pharma has been really active in medicine, um, I think that connection to patients has been lost in some ways, and and has been brought back in cases like Adam, where he's he's a very very empathetic uh, provider, a sympathetic provider, and uh, does a great job with patients. Former State Representative Brad Daw was on uh, episode 71, and he talked about some of the legislature's resistance to raw flour being allowed in Utah, and he talks specifically about what made him change his mind about it here. So what's the, what does the legislature have against the flour? Is it really just because the argument I've heard that and that I tell my patients, frankly, you know, because we're a no flame state in the in the the THC side, right? Is there's a lot of lung damage that you're avoiding by not using, uh, you know, a flame. But is that is that the only argument that's that was happening at the time? I mean, is it this image too? This image of bra bud? It's it depends who you talk to. Law enforcement doesn't like it because there's no way to properly distinguish between legal and illegal marijuana, right? I mean, that's that's a problem for them. And people say, well, I can put it in a container. Yeah, well, I can go buy a container and <laughs> right. put my butt in it. So that's that's a problem for them. And we can just, you know, you can dispute whether marijuana should be illegal or not. But uh, for law enforcement, since it's still illegal, that they have a concern with that. There is kind of the uh, uh, the notion that uh, raw bud is is just a little bit easier to abuse. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it seems at least to be more related to what you do recreationally, and it feels a little less like a medicine. So it's kind of an image thing about it. Um, now, I, I was concerned about it because it seemed like you got kind of real problems with dosing and and accuracy. I mean, the fact the fact is, if you take two different, I mean, especially me as a, a, a novice, you take you take raw bud from two different pens, and, and one of them makes you higher than you kite, and, and the other one makes you drowsy. And you know, dosing is a little bit tricky. Now, maybe it's not, but I've talked to Ed Red, and he says, well, no. The fact is, is, if you take raw bud and you measure pretty carefully, and you know what you're getting to begin with, 
and you vape it right, you get a pretty accurate dosing. So I'm, I'm a little less leery of raw bud. And really, for me, the only the only angst I have left about it is it's too. It's the same, you know. It's a it's a kissing cousin to, you know, to uh, illegal use of cannabis. It's kind of the same thing where, you know, we sell morphine, we don't sell heroin. Uh, we sell morphine in pills and shots and that sort of thing. We don't sell the black tar that you heat with a spoon and then mainline. I mean, you know, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's the same kind of a concept of if it's medicinal, let's let's uh, create genuinely medicinal forms. So. If Rob buds in medicinal form, so be it. Got it. And it's kind of heartening, frankly, to hear you say things that I would I would anticipate, I would hope that the legislature um, understands. I like that Brad Dodd goes into the legislature and the the thinking behind some of these processes. You know, as somebody who's involved in cannabis. I, you know, I don't see vaporizing or the smell. I've it's become destigmatized to me, but but there's still that stigma surrounding smoking cannabis, smoking weed, and the illegal, right, the recreational market, which Utah did not want to, you know, to do to get any closer to. Um, then they they wanted to stay as far away from that as they could. Um, Let's move on to uh, another representative, and we're going to skip here one, um, uh, skip an episode that we're going to go back to. But in episode 73, uh, Representative Jennifer Daly Provo of the Utah Legislature talks about some of the changes that she wants to see in the medical cannabis program. And these changes include some improvements for patients who are terminally ill and improvements for patients with children and protections and stuff like that. This was a great episode. Let's give it a listen. Do you feel like Utah's medical cannabis program is one of the better programs that you've seen? I guess it depends on how you define better. I think it's better than what we used to have, which was nothing. <laughs> you know, and going back to what you were saying about, you know, unscrupulous people taking advantage of desperate patients and, and stealing from them and, and tricking them, you know, this was one of the main reasons we needed to have a medical cannabis program to start with, because prior to that bill, that was what was happening. People were, patients were trying to get access to cannabis and they were meeting, you know, getting money, hundreds, thousands of dollars stolen from them in parking lots they were just hopeful that they might find somebody who could provide them with, uh, you know, access to something that would help them with legitimate health concerns, knowing that it was illegal, knowing that they had to break the law to do it, and having no recourse when somebody stole something from them. And so the fact that this is still happening in the construct of our, our legal cannabis, medical cannabis program is deeply concerning. And it just tells me that we've still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, what else are you working on? So I've, of course, got a medical cannabis bill file open. And um, one of the things that has come to my attention that I really hope we can focus on is to eliminate situations where in custodial issues, parental custodial issues, that a patient who has a medical cannabis card who is legally using medical cannabis, the, all, the other parent cannot use that that cannabis use as a reason to limit access to their children. You know, I'm, I've heard some really harrowing stories of a father who is who has a significant pain problem, well controlled on medical cannabis, but his ex-wife insists that he have a clean drug screen before he can have unsupervised visitation with his own kids. And I mean, that's just that just it doesn't it shouldn't be that way. If if he is under the care of a physician and receiving a medication. If he was on massive doses of opioids, she wouldn't be able to do that. And I, I would like to see, I would like to see an end to that. So that's really one of my priorities right now is to make sure that people can't weaponize prescribed cannabis against um, pe other people, especially in custody and child and divorce cases. Yeah, I have a, I have a personal relationship with that type of case as well. And could not agree more. It's a travesty. Yeah, that that we've got to figure out ways to educate those people 
you know, because like you say, you could have, you know, you can have your Percocet bottle, your benzos all over, and that's totally fine. You have a, you know, you have a jar of cannabis flour on the table, and now everything just changes based on based on what you know. I th- I feel like yeah, we have it's, good it's data. Nonsensical. Yeah. Do you feel like you're going to get pushback from that? Probably. Do you get pushed back from everything just because of the side? <laughs> Push of back on everything just because, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, you have a D. It's pretty rare that, yeah, I have a D by my name. It's, um, you know, and I, I admittedly, I run some, I run legislation that really pushes the envelope. I, I like I said, I feel like uh, representing the district that I do, I think I have an, op- an obligation to run legislation that really kind of takes people out of their comfort zone that looks at really new policy areas. I, I run legislation that I sort of, I willingly inherited from Representative Chavez Houck, and that is end-of-life prescription options for terminally ill patients. You know, this is a policy that I really believe in and runs up against a brick wall. But if we don't run these bills, if we don't have these conversations, we're never going to get there. You know, and so I think that, you know, this custody issue with regard to medical care Cannabis is definitely going to be a heavy lift, but in a state that claims to be family friendly, if we're putting up barriers to parents who want to see their kids, you know, the, the problem that we have in society is, is deadbeat parents, not parents who finally have found pain control through medical cannabis and are legally using it, losing access to their children. You know, I, I am divorced and remarried and I have two kids with my first husband and it is critical to me that my kids have a healthy relationship with their dad and that that everybody doesn't feel that way and this is me getting up on my you know my my soapbox and my trying to I'm not trying to assert any moral authority but the last thing that we need right now is for parents who want to be in their kids lives have to put their kids through the trauma of weird supervised visits and it just doesn't need to be that way and so I'm hoping that we can really push the narrative that, that this kind of policy is one of the most family-friendly things that we can do, that this will absolutely lead to better outcomes for children in our state. I agree 100% that cannabis use should not affect your access to your children, especially in custodial issues. And I was involved in... And, um, you know, we've been asked to get involved from time to time in these legal battles. And it is just so hard to see somebody have to go back on Percocet because a judge says you can't use cannabis um, in if you want to see your kids. So uh, great episode there. And now let's jump back to episode 72 because episode 72 is Amber Frankie. Now, I did mention at the beginning of this episode that the audio was terrible, uh, which was true, but her story was so great. Her story is so great. And her realization that cannabis really is a versatile drug. And here's why she started using cannabis and some of the other uses of cannabis that she's found. Episode 72, if you want to go back and listen to this one with Amber Frankie. For me, it was, I was taking, the reason I started taking it, um, because I was, I was going to, I was coming off my SSRI anyway. I was coming off my anxiety medication anyway. So whatever the outcome of that looked like for me, I was going to be fine. The main reason I tried it, for the, what I told myself, okay, I'm going to allow myself to try it for this specific reason to see if it helps. The excuse that I gave myself was my TNJ because I was breaking two teeth a year and having to call the dentist and go in for an emergency dental visit when my teeth are splintered, my molars are splintered from clenching my teeth and breaking my teeth a day. So for me, it was like, I'll just use it at night. I'll just use it for sleep. And if I broke, break a tooth and I have it for pain. Um, so that's why, that's what I qualified under. Like that's what I, how I got my medical card. And it, it wasn't until I, started experiment because I I mean I tried the flour, I tried the capsules, I tried the tinctures, I tried the stuff you rub on your jaw, and like the balms, I tried out the vape, I tried all of it. And that's when I noticed, holy shit, this is actually helping my anxiety. I wonder what would happen if I used a great panic attack. 
And so I would try it that way. And I think that's when I was like, oh my God, this isn't just a party drug. This is actually, and there's so many uses, Ah. like there's so many different things that this is helping with. Amber Frankie and the cascading effect of cannabis. Once you start feeling better, and you know, I'm not going to give credit to all the credit to the cannabis in that story because I think once Amber started feeling better, um, it was really just a cascade of things that uh, you know that started to improve medically. Um, I, I just love that episode. Um, and her story. Shifting gears a little bit to episode 78, uh, Riley Meyer and a a recent episode here. And Riley Meyer is one of the cultivation managers at an outdoor grow for standard wellness. So he talks about some of the challenges of maintaining an outdoor cannabis grow operation in Utah and his opinion about the program. And we we really kind of dig in to the uh, growing cannabis outdoor. And then his product dropped here locally, uh, Standard Wellness's Flower Dropped. And we have a review coming out about those strains, those three strains, what type of effects they have, the quality of the flower, that type of thing. Uh, Stay tuned for that. So let's listen to a little bit of this discussion that I had with Riley Meyer. Okay. Yeah. This is, this gets into like outdoor, indoor. What's the difference really other than they, you know, the plants grow outdoor. Do you grow different strains? Is the, is the like process different? Uh, Yeah. A hundred percent. You're kind of at the mercy of mother nature, obviously when you're outdoors. So whatever she presents to you is kind of the quality that you're going to get out of that plant. But you can you can still get really high quality flower out of outdoor just as you can indoor. It just depends on, you know, your your location. Utah, I truly believe, is an amazing place for outdoor cannabis. We obviously have a very short grow season here. So it comes down to the strains, um, cultivars that you pick because they have to be early finishers, right? If you wanna beat that frost, then they have to be done before fall comes rolling in and freezes your whole crop but yeah, so an outdoor are you um i mean is it like growing tomatoes like you got to wait till the frost is, the frost risk is gone or do you do you start these plants indoor and then move them what, yeah what's so um yeah it, it all depends on how you want to go about it but uh at standard for our first year last year we we germinated early so what we did, we kind of got a late start because it kind of ended up being a little bit of a Hail Mary for us this this last season. Future seasons are going to be a lot more dialed. But this last season, we uh, propagated or germinated, I should say, in early April, somewhere in that first week of April. And they had all that time inside before we threw them outside and um, leveled them up pot size to pot size. We started in the uh, a red solo once they were popped, a uh, red solo cup that is, to a one gallon, to a five gallon, and they ended up in big 45 gallon pots. And that first day that you can put them out is usually around May 20th, that they're good, can, the temperature is consistent enough to let them hang out overnight. Right. It's always like um, when you plant your home garden, you got to wait till Mother's Day mm-hmm. and you can plant. And in Utah, that seems like that's about right, you know, mid May. And then you're you're away from that frost risk, so right. so you just like you just throw a bunch of weed out in the field. All these plants, they're all they're all out there. And no, what's the fence? What's the security situation like? Yeah, so we're totally we're enclosed. We uh, ha- we're dialed. Our security's awesome. Um, so. So it's like (laughs) fences, you know, the only other one I've seen, and I haven't been to your facility, but you know, there's fences up, there's like barbed wire at the top of the fence. It seems like it's pretty secure, but still, I mean, I guess somebody could break through the fence or something, but are you in a pretty remote area? We won't, we won't discuss like where exactly these places are really, because even though I don't think a lot of people would go there, might as well not, might as well not tell the to right. people, you know, I mean, almost out of respect for the neighbors. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, people yeah, driving by trying to figure out what's going on. We're definitely out in the boonies, man. We're, um, yeah. Uh, I will say we're, we're Northern Utah, um, but we're out there. Uh, good luck trying to find us, man. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as like 
a concern for people breaking in. I mean, there's always that concern, but what those people I feel like wouldn't know if they're trying to come in and, you know, clip a butt off or something. There's a whole process that goes into getting that final product off of the plant. You know, you got to cure it. You got to, you got to dry it. You got to cure it. Um, that takes a while. That's, you know, in itself, um, you two weeks drying usually in two weeks curing before it's a final product. So it's not a huge concern, but yeah, we're definitely, we're aware that that could potentially happen. I love that conversation. And I really like, I like growing tomatoes in my own home garden. And I know that I, I could get really into growing cannabis plants, uh, in my yard. And hopefully one day we'll, we will be able to, um, as things progress here in Utah, that that does it for the recap, the the best of uh, 2021, and some of the some of the interviews and stories and discussions, conversations that we had here, right here in Utah. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast Utah in the Weeds on any podcast player that you want to listen on, and uh, subscribe on YouTube. You can listen to this podcast on YouTube on the channel. It's called called Discover Marijuana and subscribe there. Uh, I'm Tim Pickett. Thanks for an amazing year. Thanks for all of the the patience and the stories and the people who came on the podcast. The guests uh, could not obviously do it without you. And we learned so much here in Utah from hearing your stories and listening to these discussions. I think it's so important for our state and region to be having this discussions. Special thanks to David Wells, who helps with the production of Utah in the Weeds. I certainly could not do this without him. And Nate Brown, uh, our audio engineer, who does all of our audio editing. You can find him at rocketskatesrecording.com. Well, everybody, 2021 is gone, and let's bring in 2022. You know what I'm going to say? Stay safe out there.